Blog Talk Radio. President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad says his country will not back down in the face of possible UN sanctions around This is the moment when we must renew the goal of a world without nuclear weapons. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. The connection between the Jewish people and Jerusalem cannot be denied. Jerusalem is not a settlement. It's our capital. Three more earthquakes hit Chile just weeks after the devastating quake that killed hundreds, leading many to ask, is 2010 the year of the earthquake? This is Rapture Ready Radio. Throughout history, Muslims have built mosques as permanent symbols of their victories. Now, some Muslims want to build a 13-story mega-mosque where terrorists murdered nearly 3,000 people on 9-11. Those terrorists believe that Sharia, the brutal supremacist Islamic doctrine that is the law of Saudi Arabia and Iran, requires them to engage in holy war until we surrender. If we let them defile ground zero with a beachhead for Sharia, we will validate their sense of victory on 9-11 and encourage future attacks on America. No mosque at ground zero. Amen to that. No mosque at ground zero. Sign that petition. This is Rapture Radio, the live Tuesday show. Glad you all could be with us. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm your host, Matt Buff. We've got a big show for you tonight. Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries will be joining us here in just moments. Also, Chris Quintana will be joining us a little bit late. He had some pastoral obligations to get to. But that's okay because he will be here in time for the news. We're going to be covering that Israeli-Lebanon situation in depth tonight and get you all the latest on that on the show. We have so much to cover tonight, and we're very glad to have you. The number to call, 347-324-3211. That's 347-324-3211. The email is raptureadyradio at live.com. We'll be taking prayer requests at the end of the show as well. And, you know, NASA scientists tonight are bracing for a solar tsunami to hit earth this is uh i was going to play some um some uh bruce willis sound bites from armageddon but i just didn't have the chance to get those uploaded because this story is something else this is tonight where the earth could be hit by a wave of violent space weather and after a massive explosion on the sun the scientists have warned the solar fireworks at the weekend were recorded by several satellites including nasa's new solar dynamics observatory which which watched its shockwave rippling outwards. We're going to get more into this story later on Rapture Ready Radio because this is just something so amazing and so crazy. And it said this is the first major Earth-directed eruption in quite some time. Um, The solar eruption could destroy satellites and wreck power and communication grids around the globe if it happens tonight. Um, They found that Britain could face widespread power blackouts and be left without critical communication signals for long periods of time after the Earth is hit by a a once-in-a-generation space storm. Um, What a wonderful fireworks the sun has been producing, the UK solar expert said. And this is a rare rare event, not one, but almost two simultaneous uh, simultaneous eruptions from different locations on the sun were launched towards Earth. You know what this story reminds me of is when the rapture takes place. When the rapture happens, imagine the mass chaos and blackouts and things like that that are going to happen to wake this world up and get them ready for the tribulation period, that's for sure. This is something that uh, we'll keep an eye on, and uh, we'll get into that more as this story develops tonight on Rapture Ready Radio. But right now, I want to bring on our very special guest, 
from Lamb and Lion Ministries. He is the web minister. This is Nathan Jones on Rapture Ready Radio. Nathan, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you for having me. Well, it's just great to have you here, especially in these times. And as being the web minister uh, for, for Lamb and Lion minist- Ministries, you get to cover a lot of things. And, and just tell us a little bit about you know, the web ministry that you have on, on the website and, and with the church there. Oh, certainly. Well, it, it, Lamb and Lion Ministries is a, a parachurch, you could say. It's not a church per se. We're a de- non-denominational Bible-preaching ministry proclaiming the soon return of Jesus Christ as quickly as we can and to as many people as we can before Jesus comes back. And that's our objective and that's our goal, and we're very focused on doing that. And uh, as you know, Dr. David Reagan founded it back in 1980, and uh, he's just uh, a genius when it comes to the Bible and Bible prophecy and his background's political science and politics. So he really knows the subject in and out as well as the international scene and he's written many books and we have a TV show called Christ in Prophecy which you can find on Daystar and Church Channel and NRB and um, I'm missing one here uh, yeah four <laughs> four networks and uh, we're all over the, you can go to Israel and watch the show which is really amazing and uh, we've been on eight years now and uh, we're revamping the whole show. We've got a brand-new set and a new look and new direction. Uh, Dr. Reagan's taking it. So about a few years ago, he asked, uh, he wanted somebody to come and cover the, the, the Internet. Uh, obviously, the Internet potential. We, we're, Dr. Reagan was on the radio for many years and now TV for eight years, and we really wanted to reach out to the world. You know, there's, there's over 2 billion possible people that you can reach in the Internet, and language isn't a, barri- a barrier as much on the Internet, and there's so many different ways through uh, cell phones and all that. And uh, my background is I went to Philadelphia Biblical uh, University back in the 90s in my college years. And uh, I went after college and worked at UFM International, which was a mission board. And I really wanted to get to the mission field. I wanted to go to Brazil, my wife and I, and we were going to work with street children. And the candidate director said probably either the best advice he ever gave or the worst advice he ever gave. He said, I, I need you to go out there and get some real-world experience. And, well, a Bible degree doesn't get you much real-world experience. I couldn't get a job, so I went back to school, and I went to tech school and found I really had a love for web development design. And I got a position at a uh, ISP on the coast and working and building websites for a lot of big companies and really enjoyed the the web work. But I was like, Lord, I am just so far away from the mission field like I wanted to be. And after a few years, I found uh, Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, was looking for somebody to take their web skills and apply it to their a website and their outreach. For six years, I served at that mega church there, and uh, it, it was a great place. Many people, uh, Dave Stone's the pastor there, but uh, it never really developed into a web ministry where they, you know, it's more church centric and we serve the church well, but we never served it the bigger picture, the bigger globe. And uh, I had seen Dr. David Reagan come and speak at the church one Wednesday night and to a packed house. The auditorium there seats 9,100. And uh, through a mutual friend, I heard that Dave Reagan was looking for a web minister. And he really wanted to get out there on the Internet and, and to take the skills that I had learned in uh, web development design as well as web marketing and architecture and apply that to ministry. And I was going to Southern Seminary at the time, working on my MDiv, and it just kind of all rolled together. So when I started to be on the mission field of you know maybe 30, 40 kids, I now have a mission field of over 2 billion people. So it's really exciting and it's a really cutting edge and new field. Well, we've had Dr. David Reagan on the show before, and he is just 
pure joy, just a fantastic Christian and, and knows just the Bible in and out and knows all about the prophecy and everything. And, and I really like his boldness. And, and, and when you joined the ministry, I know that had to be exciting. And, and that's what I wanted to talk about a lot tonight is the web ministry because just, you know, 20 years ago, this kind of reach that we have now is just not, wasn't possible. And when you oh. talk about Bible prophecy, when you talk, yeah, exactly. When you talk about Bible prophecy, you know how the, the Antichrist is going to be able to reach everybody. Well, 20 years ago, that wasn't possible, but today, you know, just the reach you have with the web ministry is just amazing. Well, I never knew I'd, I'd end up in web ministry when I was back in Bible college. I, my final paper for Doctrine 4, our professor required that we use a computer to type it. I had never used a computer. I always used a typewriter, and so I was terrified, but a buddy of mine taught me how to use it, and and uh, years later, I, I uh, have a skill in it. I had my own business for a while on the side, and, and now I, I know how to build websites and design, but uh, we also have that mission-driven, and, and both Dr. Reagan and I share that mission-driven. Uh, you can do web and you can do technology, but it's so much more important if you know how to use it, and that's vital because you need to know where you can reach people, and through the Internet you can reach people. Like you said, it's in 20 years such an outreach hasn't existed, and now we're reaching all over the place. Last year, Billy Graham's organization got really serious. They wanted to get, dedicate their whole year to end-time events, and they really hit the Internet hard. Campus Crusade for Christ, they're really out there. They're really on the Internet reaching people for Christ. Uh, GotQuestions.org is another good example. Rapture Ready, like you guys, you're out there, and you know that you can reach audiences all over the planet. So what I first did is I started with revamping our website to make it as a platform that I could build off of. And so about the first year I worked just primarily rebuilding our website from the ground up, coding it and all that. We then started adding outreach events uh, like um, e-newsletters, for instance, so we could reach out to the people instead of the people having to come to our website. And currently we have 15,000 people that are signed up on our website, which is www.lamlion.com. You can remember because Jesus came first as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion, lamblion.com. And uh, since then, we've added, we have a Facebook group. If you go to lamblion.com slash Facebook, we have uh, getting close to 3,000 people on there now just who have a passion for Bible prophecy, and they share. And it's a great place to, to meet other Christians. And uh, we have a blog for if you want your daily dose of Bible prophecy. Uh, Dr. Reagan and I put articles on there every day except for weekends. And uh, we have lots of a good community there of people dedicated to reading up and, and studying the Bible along with us. And uh, we're getting out there. We're trying to get all our materials proliferated across the Internet. We have a, a ministry companion down in Nicaragua named Donald Dolmas. And Donald has a website called In Defense de la Fe or Defense of the Faith. And he takes our materials and converts them to Spanish. So he's opened up a whole new section of the world that we couldn't just in the last year or two with these materials, and Donald's done a great job with that. Uh, videos, we have well over 100 of our Christ and Prophecy shows online. We put them on Tangle and YouTube and places like that. And we know that someday, because of the rapture, Lamb and Lion Ministries will not be here. So we want to make sure that all our materials are out there once eventually our site's down, that will be in YouTube, people will be able to download stuff to their cell phones, and the gospel will continue well after uh, the website's down and we're out of here. 
Amen, absolutely. And, you know, in Matthew 24, 14, it says, And the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a testimony unto all the nations, and then the end shall come. And so we're looking at this, and just, just the reach from your organization, just all over the world that's happening with Lamb Lion Ministries, it's just amazing how many people that we can reach based off the Internet. Um, we have people that listen to our show from all over. It's just exciting to kind of see where the different people are from. And uh, it, it is, it's a really neat thing that just once again, 20 years ago, you're, you're thinking, okay, how is the Antichrist going to be able to talk to everybody? How is the Word going to get preached to everybody? Well, the Internet, in that respect, has been a huge blessing, and it's very neat. Talk about how the growth has been as far as prophecy followers, uh, people following Bible prophecy in just the last few years. Well, uh, there is no doubt that uh, the end times are on everybody's mind. I mean, we see movies like 2012 coming out. We see, you know, it's amazing, too, that the, the end time passion that you see amongst people, generally, at least in our experience, is coming from people who are unbelievers. They know something's in the air. They can sense it. There's a, the, the world is too tense and too strung up, and it's got to release at some point. And generally, we find a lot of churches kind of roll over ho-hum, and they're not as interested. But there is a definitely dedicated group of people out there who really have studied the, the Bible and have been blessed by it and know that the gospel is saying that Jesus is coming back. And we can see signs all over the place that we're getting real close. Israel back in the land, just in fulfillment of Ezekiel 37, is a huge sign that we need to watch Israel and see about the events that are coming up, like Psalm 83, Ezekiel 38 and 39, the Gog Magog battle where all the Islamic nations attack Israel. And we know that this is coming. We, the Internet is proof uh, Daniel said that in the uh, God said to Daniel that in the end times uh, people will come and go and knowledge will increase. In the internet, <laughs> I remember used to for my research papers going to the library and checking out books and, and doing the research that way. Now I get on the internet, you know, hit Wikipedia and some of these other places, and so knowledge is, is out there. And you know why let the secular world have a control of that? Get our gospel out there, uh, get the word out, and share it with people. And it is amazing that we have had people all over, like you said, all over the world. I debate uh, sometimes Muslims who try to convert. I've got atheists who write in all the time, uh, usually very angry. And uh, we have uh, different people have different points of view. But uh, overall, we can talk about things and share the gospel to people I would never come across physically. Let's talk about Daniel for a second. When he, when he talked about um, knowledge increasing and, and people running to and fro, that is, that's a great description of uh, the, the 2000s here, the, the first decade in the year 2000s uh, in this century. I tell you what, when there was a time that we just had to rely on the evening news and some basic news channels and, and radio for our sources, imagine how many things we actually missed out on, like this uh, solar tsunami story. Um, that's not being covered by anybody. We would have missed that if it happened Ten years ago, and and the knowledge increasing can is a really important thing for Christians as as far as how much discernment we can use based on all the knowledge we can find. Well, that's what, what's great about you know you talk about that solar tsunami. I was working on another project today, and I, I checked the Facebook group like I usually do, and one of our posters posted about the solar tsunami. I'm like, oh really? You know, I could read a, a blurb about it, and instantly I, I know about it. And uh, we have a new section on our website. And we have a bunch of RSS feeds that go in, and they, they actually suck the news off of all these different venues, and they put it on one page, and you can run through, and you can see the news is just resplendent with stuff. And now, some of the major networks might not cover it. Uh, uh, that incident in Lebanon, exactly how many Lebanese and how many Israeli soldiers died seem to be reported differently. 
but uh, because of the Internet now, you can get so much extra reporting that in the day when we only depended on the big three stations or big four stations that we can get that we, we couldn't get before. A different perspective, especially some of these places like WorldNet Daily, a Christian perspective. Absolutely, which is one of the most popular um, websites out there on, on online in the United States is WorldNet Daily too, and that, and that's uh, that's that's stories you can't even hear on even Fox News, and you, you talk about this tsunami feed that you got on there. Um, one of the paragraphs said the Daily Telegraph, which ten years ago none of us would have known who the Daily Telegraph is, disclosed in disclosed in June that senior space agency scientists believe the Earth will be hit with an unprecedented levels of magnetic energy from solar flares after the sun wakes from a deep slumber sometime, sometime around 2013. I tell you what's going to wake this world from a slumber, and that's the return of Jesus Christ, not uh, a bunch of sun bombs. <laughs> off, but uh, there, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things hovering around 2012, 2013. You know? Yeah, there is. Uh, we had a, a bunch of Christ and Prophecy episodes where we interviewed Dr. Mark Hitchcock, and we talked about his book 2012, and you know the whole Mayan calendar thing. It's obviously pagan. What you know? What do the Mayans know about the? Even the demons don't know about God's timing. But uh, a lot of a lot of New Agers are, are focusing on 2012. Uh, it seems like things in the Middle East could possibly be a, a Psalm 83 scenario at any moment, where Israel's neighboring borders, uh, countries are conquered and Israel has to control over them, becomes a greater Israel, thus fulfilling that big gap you see in Ezekiel 38 and 39, where the Gog Magog invasion, that outer ring of nations like Iran and Turkey and Russia and Libya and the Sudan, all of a sudden attack Israel to get her plunder. Uh, you can read the news and find out that Israel has now got a fortune in natural gas off their coast, off of Haifa, and uh, it, it's, it's all coming together. And with this technology, we can use it to, to pull all the pieces together that the Bible tells us, you know, like about the increase that God told Daniel, knowledge and travel. And, uh, you know, you talk about increase in knowledge. Supposedly, the Internet grows every one and a half years. It doubles every one and a half years. And when you talk about an exponential growth like that, we are getting to the point where we have so much knowledge and ability to reach things that it is totally changing the face of mankind. And we're living here. We're living now in it. And it's exciting times. It's overwhelming times at times to be so inundated by so much information and technology. But it's also very exciting times, too, because we can watch and look out because we know that Jesus is coming back soon. That's right. Amen. And, and it's really neat when you, when you talk about how exciting the times we're in. It is very exciting when we can see feeds come across like this Israeli-Lebanon uh, conflict that happened, and Israel has taken a satellite shot of where the conflict took place, and you see it's a good 100 yards inside the Israel border, yet everybody specs aside, they're going to look and say, Israel is to blame here. They're going to say... They're going to they're gonna see the satellite imagery of where the con conflict took place, like you and I can see right now, and yet still blame Israel because more Lebanese soldiers died than IDF soldiers, and they're going to take it personally because they think you're, we're weak, so you should be weak too. Oh, uh, you know what's neat? You can go to the BBC's website right on their home page, and you can watch a video of what's happening. The Lebanese recorded it, and you can watch the Israelis with their little truck coming along, and they were cutting down some branches along their fence. You could see the U.N. soldiers on the Lebanese side and the Lebanese soldiers waving the white flag, and the Israelis waving the white flag, letting each other know that everything's okay. And I guess some, somebody got trigger-happy, and all of a sudden both sides are shooting each other. You could see a tank uh, fire, and 
you know that something's going on. And then for the first day, all these reports were coming in. You know, uh, three three Lebanese died. Uh, no is- Israelis died. It was very Lebanese-oriented. Like, what are the Israelis doing on their own border? But, uh, again, with this news, uh, somebody in our Facebook group, they uh, posted a, a letter that we had gotten from a guy who's actually in Ashkelon right now, and he gives a first-hand account of what the, the news is showing in Israel. And then, you know, you find out that one IDF soldier has died and another one severely wounded. There's relations to the prime minister, so they're wondering if this was targeted against this particular group, knowing uh, that this guy was related to the prime minister. Uh, the U.N. peacekeeping forces there are a huge joke. You wonder what they're doing there because they're obviously not keeping peace. But we know eventually that this has to explode because Hezbollah in Lebanon is nothing more than a proxy of Syria, and Syria is nothing more than a proxy of Iran. And the Bible says in Isaiah 17 and Jeremiah 49 that Damascus, the capital city of Syria, as well as the oldest city in the world, will be destroyed in one day by Israel. And to destroy a city in one day utterly and totally so that's desolate would most likely be nuclear weapons. And only today can we say we live in an age of technology where there's nuclear weapons, where this could happen, that Israel has that technology, even though you know they're, they're obviously very uh, dubious about whether they have or not. But uh, you talk to people there, they know it is, and they'll even point down to Demona down south where the, the missiles are. And it will happen, and we can read that today, and uh, we can share that information very easily over the Internet. Well, that's right, and it's just so amazing how fast now that even just a year ago we couldn't get as fast um, the information that floods across. I mean, everybody listening tonight can probably remember a time where there was a reporter over there, and he, it was grainy because he was on a bad satellite feed, and you couldn't hardly hear anything, and his voice was monotone and almost computerized. And, and here we go. Now you're, you're watching the Lebanese conflict happen via the cameras of the military. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you could see terrorists bombing, uh, like in Bali and all, and people with cell phones are recording it. Uh, and they've got it on the Internet quicker. Well, look at the uh, uprising in Iran last year. Uh, that, you, you just made me think of that. Absolutely. Yeah, the whole reporting was done by students with cameras. I mean, forget the major networks. And even today in the United States, you can't trust the major networks anymore because they seem to have a political – they're a political wing, which is scary that a, a pseudo-fourth branch of the government is a political establishment now and not a, a newscasting, an unbiased newscasting establishment. So you have to go to all these extra sources. It's forcing us to go to all these extra sources to see what's going on. Well, absolutely. And you talk about that Iran conflict. We even, we even showed one of those videos in one of our Rapture Ready Video videos about how um, uh, you know the students actually got the information on YouTube faster than the net the networks did, and you know the networks are scrambling around trying to get a more politically correct version. Yet these students are getting trampled on, shooting it on their phone, hitting one button, and it's uploaded to Facebook and, and YouTube. That's how people got the real truth of what happened out there, and it and it's something that put the regime on notice because of that. Remember that uh, one young woman who was killed, uh, very bloody. Her picture was on the street. She, I think she was like in her early 20s, a college student. And they got that picture up on the Internet. And within minutes, she became the rallying point of the whole revolution. It utterly changed the way the world looked at what was going on inside. And it turned people, if they weren't already against the uh, Ahmadinejad's uh, government, Muhammad Ahmadinejad's government, but... Um, you know, and you couldn't have done that just 20 years ago. You know, you'd have to take a picture and then scan it in and then and then connect it to an email and then send it, and that, that takes some time. So, yeah, it's almost 
instantaneous. News is, is coming out quicker and better. And that's why our ministry really wanted to get out there and get our shows and get our materials out there so that people could share it after we're gone. Uh, we've got uh, one particular video that uh, we made. It's 15 minutes long about. It's called uh, Jesus Came, What's Next? And it basically is a message for those left behind. And we've got it all over the place. We've got it all over uh, like Yahoo Videos and YouTube and Tangle and Facebook, and we've, we've got it where people can download their cell phones. And, and should anything happen technologically, like in Iran where they clamp down on the cell phone towers and, and cut out access, or like China does now, trying to censor Google and all that, that people can pass it from from device to device and not have to worry about any interference. So there's definitely technology gives the gospel so many ways to reach places where it could never in the past. Absolutely. Just as we're talking right now, there's somebody in our chat room that's uh, challenging our belief system, but they have the right to do that because they can really jump in here and say, oh, there's a show called Rapture Ready Radio. Let me go in there and mess with those guys. Because yeah. of the technology that we have, you can do that. That's fine. And, <laughs> and it, 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 They don't know it, too, because they're opening themselves up to the gospel. Every time we have somebody come in who's a, a anti-God or a pro-Allah or a New Ager or a pantheist or any of those guys, you know, they come in hoping to convert us. In the end, we share the gospel with them. And, you know, I don't care how irate and all they are, and we get some Christians who would rather keep themselves totally isolated from the world, and I don't quite support that view. I think I'm, I welcome these people when they come in because they get the gospel, and that's why we're on the Internet, to get the gospel out to people, to people we'd never be able to reach without this technology. Amen. And, and yeah, he's teaching us how uh, God means gods. There's actually more than one God, so... Uh, pretty, pretty neat stuff that we can see. I mean, you, you get these on, on, you know, on Facebook and, and on the message boards and things like that. And, and what I really like about Lamb Line is the fact that you do allow, you know, comments to come in on, on all the different networks that you have, um, you know, because that does open people up. Like um, Battle Ready, who runs Amplified, is in our chat room right now, and he's educating the guy on, on the real truth. And it's a real neat thing to do because we welcome those people in. You know, we don't allow, like, bad language and things like that. Or yeah, if you're going to yeah. be insulting, then, yeah, we'll, we'll have to boot you then. But, you know, other than that, you know, it's, it's, it's silliness. And, and, you know, if you hear some truth, that's great. But, you know, talk about the uh, – the, there's more freedom on a Christian site like yours, like Lamb Lion, than there are on liberal newspaper sites. Um, I've done some experimenting on those where I went oh, in yeah? and posted a comment – and, and I, you know, say abortion is murder. Just say, say that in there. The comment gets removed. Mm -hmm. So there's actually more freedom in a Christian site. Well, the recent uh, scandal about a month ago was that Google was manipulating words and searches so that anything Christian subject-wise would come lower. And they detest and prove that that was the case. And uh, so they, you could say, like we were talking about the tribulation a little earlier, no doubt, as that material is destroyed over time and, and all that, anything Christian or anything that we have will be downgraded in the algorithm so it doesn't come up as much. So, again, we're, we're trying to get the hits and get the indexing out there so that our rankings are high and so people can get that material now before it's too late. But we know even, even, if, even if the Antichrist succeeds in totally locking down technology, which we know he's definitely going to have a strong hold of it, we know that God's got provisions for people. There are multitudes, Revelations, there's multitudes that you can't count. They're going to come to know the Lord as Savior during the tribulation. You've got 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to be spreading the gospel. You've got the two witnesses in Jerusalem who are killed halfway through and are resurrected. As an example, you have an angel that traveled across the entire planet 
bringing the gospel to every person, tribe, tongue, and nation, just as Jesus said would happen. So God has provisions. He doesn't need us, but he's using us right now to get it out there. And, and I, that's such a blessing and such an honor that the, the Lord would let us do that in this time. Amen. That's exactly right. And, and you know, you see um, Christians that are out there on, like, the History Channel, um, like Dr. David Reagan's been on there. Um, they talk about Bible prophecy and the rapture and things like that. And even the History Channel says, you know, there's one thing we can't dispute is the accuracy of the Bible and what the Bible has said would happen. Um, so much Bible prophecy has come to pass that we have to acknowledge that. And, you know, they, they talk about, they try to throw in some other things like the Mayan prophecy, but it's really based on nothing. And, um, of course, um, you know, people always admit when they're, when they're bagging Christianity that they're an atheist, like that's happening in our chat room right now. You know, this is something that is also prophetic, and I want to tell this individual in the chat room, too. What's neat about this is an, a um, self-proclaimed atheist, has Nathan, has more hatred and wants to bag Christianity more than any other religion or any other belief system. And why is that, Nathan? They know it's the truth. They know that they're guilty and that they're going to hell deep down inside. Uh, what's it, Romans? Uh, shoot, skips my mind. I think it's Romans 3, where it tells us that uh, nature has proven that there is a God, that you can look around and see that everything has complexity. And so they know there's a God. And, you know, this happened last week. A, a relative of mine, someone I've been witnessing to for many, many years, uh, finally responded to an e-newsletter we did. It was, it was basically an e-newsletter that said, America has a Christian heritage. It was based on a series of Christ and Prophecy we did with uh, Peter Marshall. And he went irate. I've, I've, he's been always a very logical deist. He's been very, but he went berserk. And in our communications <clears throat> back and forth over the years, over 15 years, I've learned that even though he admits, he stands firm that there's no God and he believes in evolution, has all these excuses, when it comes down to it in his darker moments, he'll say he does believe but he doesn't like God. He hates God. How could God wipe out nations in the Old Testament? How could God allow suffering? And because of that, he hates God and so rejects him. And you'll find that with most of these atheists, eventually they'll end up telling you they do believe in God. I had one who was cursing and yelling at me. He had emailed me, and he, you know, they have all these proofs, so-called, about why God doesn't exist. And finally, in a moment of clarity, he says, I don't want the option of either heaven or hell. I want the option of God just to leave me alone. Why can't God just leave me alone? And then he went back into his excuses again. But that moment of clarity was so insightful. They really do believe that God's there. They know they're guilty. And in their hearts, they know they're going to hell because God's given them a conscience. But in the end, they'll reject him and fight him just as way. And when people ask, why is Satan, who knows the Bible, who's got it memorized, going to continue through the tribulation, fighting and fighting and fighting against God, thinking that he could possibly win. Why at the end of the millennial kingdom is Satan going to lead a rebellion against God, thinking he can overthrow God again and again? Because no matter what, he hates God, and he never wants to obey him. And so even though he knows he's going to be destroyed, he'll fight him to the bitter end. And unfortunately, many humans do that too, much to their detriment. Amen. That's exactly right. And, and that's where it comes from. It's all based on Satan's hatred for Christianity and, and for Christ. And, and he has this, his delusion thinking that he can win this battle, which, of course, he does not. So what, uh, talk uh, briefly about the missions of Lamb and Lion, because I've been in contact with some people that you guys uh, um, do some work for in Pakistan and then around the world. Um, how important is this to Lamb and Lion Ministries? 
Oh, missions is very important. We, uh, a, a good percentage of the income that, that donated to the ministry goes through missions, and a lot of people support missionaries through Lamb and Lion. Now, you bring up Pakistan. We're talking about Satan thinks he's winning. I think Satan thinks he's winning very well in Pakistan. We have a, a gentleman, a pastor in Pakistan, and uh, he runs a, a ministry there, and he travels to areas that have never heard of Jesus. But all you have to do in Pakistan, which is a very very predominantly Muslim country, is say to any other, any other faith, it's always Christians, of course, never the Hindus, it's always, hey, he blasphemed Allah, or he blasphemed the Koran. And instantly, the government will look the other way. And uh, in his area in particular, just this last week, two men were falsely accused and later proven innocent that they had blasphemed the Koran. The people went in an uproar. They were killed. There was looting and rioting. Our, our missionary there had to run out of the country or excuse me, out of the town, and hide with only the shirt on his back. And when it was safe enough to come in, the authorities told him, you better stay in your house and not come out. Because just, uh, I think it was three days ago, five different pastors were killed right in front of their own churches before services in, a, in an attack that was well planned. So Pakistan is a huge field. I mean, you read about this stuff. Just go to Open Doors USA, which is a site that talks about martyred Christians. And the suffering and the persecution going on, it, uh, what was it, a few months ago in Nigeria, 500 Christians hacked to death with machetes, and yet, and yet, the biggest revivals on the planet right now are happening in Nigeria. People are coming by the millions to the gospel in Nigeria right now, and huge revivals that make Billy Graham crusades look tiny in comparison. So the gospel's going strong, and Lamb and Lion Ministries wants to be in there, and we support people in uh, South Africa and Nigeria and, and Pakistan and India and uh, Ireland and the Philippines and China and just wherever to get the gospel out. Amen. And that's what's neat about that. When you talk about the revival of that many people, these people are actually risking their lives to follow Christ. But they just are, they, they found the truth. And when you find the truth, nothing's going to hold you back. Even if they impose Sharia law in America, that is not going to eliminate Christianity. Um, because you can't hold back when you found the truth, you just can't hold it back. And the more persecution, the more people believe. <laughs> the whole Roman Empire proves <laughs> that. So, you know, the idea that they're going to persecute Christians out of Nigeria is, is just insane. It won't happen. And I think what will eventually help get all the Christians out of the planet, like you said, is the rapture. Jesus comes back. And all the Christians are gone. I know five, ten minutes more, I think there'll be a lot of people falling on their knees and becoming the next wave of tribulation saints or new Christians. So the world won't be without, without Christians for very long. But... Uh, we're in an age where we're starting to see that all happen and, and just watch the news and seeing everything come together focusing on Israel as, as Zechariah says all the world is, is focused on Israel and they want to destroy Israel and the United States is abandoning Israel as a friend that we are seeing that signs of the times are pointing that Jesus is coming back real soon my, my sister was here staying with us uh, while my wife was out of town and some Jehovah's Witnesses came by and I was downstairs actually working on the show. <laughs> and uh, I, I was like, you have to tell me when those guys come by. I don't like shooing them off like other people. I like asking them to keep reading how that 144,000 actually becomes 3 million, 4 million people because they're sent out to preach the word, not to just go t tell each other about it. They're not the only ones. What kind of selfish God would that be? <laughs> Uh, you got to love the Watchtower Society. They'll believe anything the Watchtower Society sends out, and they always conflict with what they said a few years earlier, but it takes a blind yes. faith to believe that. 
Well, absolutely. Well, Nathan Jones, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. We're definitely going to have to get you back. We didn't even get into, you know, half the things that we could have covered. But, um, you know, I do encourage people to go to lamblion.com, check out the full website and all the uh, opportunities for Facebook and the blogs and, and things right there. So thank you very much for joining us on the show. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Matt. And I also recommend everybody check out our, our big conference we're holding October 22nd and 23rd in McKinney, Texas, called Future Hope. And it's myfuturehope.com. Myfuturehope.com. God bless you, Nathan, and uh, keep up the great work, and we look forward to having you back again sometime. God bless you too, Matt. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back right here on Rapture Ready Radio.
to shout for joy and celebrate God's love for us. The psalmist says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. Join host Jeff Calvert on Amplified for a moving night of music, interviews, Kids Corner, and a flashback of powerful Christian music from the past. Amplified is on every Thursday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Rapture Ready Radio. streets on rapture ready radio ezekiel 2 3 through 7 tells us son of man i am sending you to the israelites to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me they and their fathers have been in revolt against me to this very day the people to who i am sending you are obstinate and stubborn say to them this is what the sovereign lord says and whether they listen or fail to listen for they are a rebellious house they will know that a prophet has been among them And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid. Their briars and thorns are all around you, and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious house. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. And we see that all around us in our society today. We were just talking with Nathan Jones from LambLion.com the Lamb and Lion Ministries, about that very same happening in Nigeria that's happening in Pakistan and that's happening in the United States. Christians are under heavy persecution in physical and arresting parts, not just around the world. They're getting arrested right here in this country. Michael McCarvage, the director of Repent America, will be on this show live with us next Tuesday, August 10th. Do not miss that show. It's going to be very exciting. It's going to be one interview you do not want to miss because here's a man who's been on the streets, who's been talking to the homosexual community, the sinful community, and anybody who stops by to listen. He's been arrested. He's been uh, in, in very, very bad trouble. But then when it goes to court, it gets dismissed typically, not just with him but with others, because all they're trying to do is get him off the street. So what was happening around the world is happening in America now, which is just completely amazing to see Bible prophecy come to pass like this. Ezekiel told us these are scorpions. These are, these are people that have briars and thorns all around you. Do not be terrified from them. Do not be afraid of them because they're rebellious. They want to come after you as a Christian because they are rebellious towards God. Now, we'll have Michael McCarvage on next week from Repent America, 
And uh, here's some new stories that were posted on Repent America's website that I wanted to share with you tonight on the show. Cops accused of erasing street preachers' evidence. This is about Michael McCarvage, a Christian missionary who preaches the gospel message in public places across the nation. Says officers from the University of Pennsylvania illegally and tampered with evidence about their actions during a preaching mission on public walks in front of a Philadelphia mosque. Now, you see all the time, you see all the time out there where in the name of Islam, people are in New York City burning a flag and stomping on it and all these things. You see protests against the war that sometimes say violent things about people. And you see all kinds of uh, different religions that are allowed to do their thing. But when it comes to Christianity, just simply spreading the message of God and telling people that if you do not repent, if you do not turn to Jesus and stop your sinful ways, then you could face hell. Hell is something that you won't hear brought up too much in a lukewarm church, let alone a liberalized society like we live in. So when, when you talk about these things that happen, and we're going to get into more of these stories with Michael next week, but these convictions for preaching near the Liberty Bell were overturned in Philadelphia. Preaching is disorderly conduct and more. They, they compare these things to disorderly contact. Uh, disorderly conduct by just saying what you believe as the truth and the power and love of Jesus Christ. When you're talking to somebody about how Jesus loves them and they want to, they want to tell you that Jesus did not come to condemn this world but to save this world. That's what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross and rose again. And he said he's coming back for us very soon. And that's what's really interesting and really neat to see. Why do people hate that message so much? Because it's something that disagrees. It disagrees with their belief system because they are rebellious. They're rebellious towards God. A federal appeals court has restored to the public First Amendment speech protections at the historical Philadelphia site where the, where the Liberty Bell, which carries the biblical abomination from Leviticus 25.10 to proclaim liberty throughout the land and to on all the habit, inhabitants thereof, is on display on the bell. There's a Bible verse on this bell where he got arrested at for trying to witness to Muslims. And yet the bell itself says what the truth is. Let's talk about some of these signs that are getting these people in trouble. We're going to have John Christopherson. He's going to be on the show, which is going to be fantastic. Um, and he's been out there, and he's had signs, and I'll tell you what they say. Stop sinning, call on Jesus, or hell. Stop sinning, or hell fire. Warning, liars, thieves, drunks, fornicators, homosexuals, baby killers, mockers, God-haters, hell fire burningheartsoutreach.com. Another sign that he has says, Wide, murder, Hindu, idolatry, stolen, New Age, Jehovah's Witness, witchcraft, Islam, Mormon, white feeder, child abuser, drunkard, lusted, Seventh-day Adventist, atheist, Buddhist, druggie, psychic, homosexuality, abortion, devil worshiper, sex out of marriage, Catholic, repent, call on Jesus, escape, hell, fire. When you're telling people, do not go to hell. Why is that a bad thing in society? We don't want anybody to go to hell. We could do a whole show on just the dangers that if you do not turn to Jesus, you might face hell. If you choose not to face 
heaven and everything Jesus has done for you, then you then the devil has won in your life, and nobody wants you to go to hell. It's a place of torment. What does the Bible say about telling people about the Word? What does the Bible say about what we're supposed to do as Christians when you talk about how are we supposed to reach people? And I encourage anybody that's listening to this show tonight, and yes, Tom, I see you on the, the private message. As soon as I can hit a break, I will answer your question. It's just hard for me to answer your questions and do the show at the same time. And I, and I just ask anybody, too, if you want to ask questions, send an email to rapturereadyradio.live.com. During the show, it's a little difficult, but as soon as I hit a break, I will get to your question. And, yes, you may ask a question about my faith, and I might go ahead and just answer it on the show. So what I'm going to say here is what the Bible says about what we're supposed to do as Christians. Because like you, Tom, and other people that are not saved, our job is to go out into the world and tell you about the love of Jesus Christ. The evidence of his love is all around us. The evidence in our lives, because it's a personal relationship with him, is all around us. Matthew 28:19 and 20 reads, Go therefore and make disciples of people of all the nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. It's just like as parents. When you have children, and a lot of our listeners do have children, what are you going to teach your children when they run out into the street? You're going to try to tell them not to do that. You're going to discipline them and show them that what they did is wrong. Are we, go, are we supposed to go out and punish people? Well, no, this isn't Islam. We go out and make disciples of people of all the nations and baptize them and teach them to observe the things that I have commanded you, according to Matthew 28. What we do as Christians is show people love and compassion and show them that Jesus Christ is love. What Jesus Christ did for us on the cross gave his life for us so he can make all things new. His body was scourged, he was beaten, and he was hung on a cross with nails. He suffered and died an excruciating death and took the whole weight of the world's sins and put it right on the back of his shoulders. How, how much love is that? The Bible says love is laying down your life for your brother. Would you lay down your life for your brother? Would you lay down your life for your children? Would you jump in front of the car that's coming at your child in the street to save him? Take that love that you have for your child and times it by one million and you'll have what the love Jesus Christ has for you. Acts chapter 20, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you but, but, you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Matthew 24:14. And this gospel of kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a testimony unto all the nations, and then the end shall come. We know the gospel has to preach, has to be preached. What do we do about the people that don't listen? Are we violent to them? No, we are not violent. We're not violent people to them. We tell them about love and about what's going on in our lives. I could ask. We have several people. In our chat room, I could ask them to share just one part, one part of your testimony. And what you're going to see in their testimony is not somebody, somebody didn't trick them into Christianity. Somebody, somebody will make them rich. You won't see anything about how Christianity uh, was given them in exchange for something else. 
their stories, their testimonies would show love. They saw the truth. And like we were talking about with Nathan Jones, the truth is what we have. And nothing, not handcuffs, not prison, not death, can separate us from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the truth that he's given us. Because our time on earth is to eternity. And we store up our treasures in heaven. Not on earth. We go telling people that if you follow Jesus Christ, well, you're going you're, you're gonna to be rich. Now, one thing you will have is fulfillment in your life. If you follow him and read the word and do the things that we're asked to do and go out and tell other people about him, we'll have fulfillment in our lives. That's why Amazing Grace is something that is saying all around the world. Amazing Grace through him. Grace is something that you cannot buy in a video game. It's not something that you can find at the store. If you really think about it, fulfillment in grace is not a monetary thing. It is not about money. I have fulfillment through him who saves me. He took my sins and put it on his shoulders and said, I will take the burden of your sins. Follow me. Make fishers of men. Go therefore and make disciples of people of all the nations. Baptize them. Teach them to observe all the things I have commanded you. The Ten Commandments is something that we all have broken. Everybody listening to this show right now, myself, everybody has broken a commandment. Everybody has lied. Everybody has done something wrong because we are born sinners. But we can be born again. And what you do to be born again is accept Jesus Christ in your heart so that you can be saved by His grace. That is fulfillment. And that is what we're talking about on Rapture Ready Radio. I'm very excited about the guests we have coming up that go out into the street and say these things. We have, I don't know if you heard about the, the fellow named Dale, in, uh, in England, who was arrested because he was preaching the word, and one of the cops was a homosexual, and they arrested him, saying he was disorderly conduct. They charged him with the law that they, ca- that, that they charge unruly soccer fans that turn over cars and burn things with. They charged him with that. When he got to court, it was dismissed. But they, got, they did their just duty in their eyes by getting him off the street. Well, guess what? He's back, and he's coming on Rapture Ready Radio very soon. I've been talking to him. What a blessing to talk to these people that have been handcuffed for the name, for, 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 for their belief in Christianity, for, for their belief in Jesus Christ. Yes, pray for these people. Pray for these people that are out there doing what the Bible told them to do. Tom, I'm going to take a quick break. I know there's a lot of people that are listening to the show on the down low that want to know who you are. This is an atheist that came in our chat room that wants to ask me some questions. I will read some of your questions, and then if we can get to those. Chris should be calling in soon, too, so we can do the news on Rapture Ready Radio. I'm just right now just full. 
I'm just feeling the Holy Spirit around this show right now and, and what we're talking about here. And it's just so fun to get into His Word and read these Bible verses that apply to us Christians today. You're among scorpions. You're among thorns. And you're facing a rebellious nation. And yes, if any one of you listening, or if I go out in the street in front of a mosque or in front of a homosexual parade, then I have a chance to be arrested. But you can, you can arrest me because there's somebody that has taken my sin and my chains and broke them away. I will never, ever apologize for being a Christian. I will never deny Christ in the face of hardship because my God is someone that took it upon his shoulders to take my sin away and I'm going to turn around and deny him. To me, that is what is crazy. We'll be right back on Rapture Radio.
Welcome back to Rapture Ready Radio. This is the Live Tuesday Show. Boy, I just I just really enjoyed that segment that we just had right there. And I want to welcome my co-host, Chris Quintana, back with us. Had some pastoral obligations to take care of. But, uh, Chris, I kind of got on a roll there because, you know, what fires me up is uh, defending my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on this show. Outstanding. Outstanding. It sounds like I missed quite a bit of festivities, huh? Well, you haven't missed it yet because um, it's pretty neat that uh, he just, um, the, the atheist that we had in the chat room just sent over some questions, and, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to ask him to send them back. Okay, hold on a second. I think I lost his private chair. Okay, there it is. I got it. Okay. And so, um, you know, this is something we can tackle here because I, I'm, not a, I'm not afraid to, of course, as you know, answer any atheist questions that we have. <laughs> yeah, we've had this before. Absolutely. So question one is, um, let's see, what did he say? If you travel back in time, and yes, Jesus was real and the rest of it, but just say how you went back in time and you saw that Jesus wasn't real. Would you accept that you were wrong and admit it or deny it with some excuse? God is testing your faith or is it a trick of the devil? And if you say to me, well, that scenario wouldn't happen, then that means to me you would accept you're wrong. Um, fine, you know, I don't have to say... And, and I'll let you answer this too, Chris, because I know this is something that uh, is near and dear to your heart. Well, that scenario wouldn't happen. You know, fine, we don't have to say that. If I went back in time to find uh, that Jesus Christ wasn't real, yeah, I'd, I'd admit in, in that I was wrong. But unfortunately, I live in a time where Jesus Christ uh, definitely was real. His evidence of his life is all over the place, and his... Uh, his creation in in my life is the most real thing that I can have. So technically, if I had a time machine and went back and found all that that his birthplace and all that was a fabrication uh, by by somebody else, then then sure, I'd admit it. I'd admit it when I'm wrong. But also, Tom, I'll tell you when I'm right. And in this situation, I'm right. Jesus Christ is real. Yeah, and I guess the way that I'd answer that is that the answer is self-evident. If you went back in time and he wasn't there, what else could you say? Um, come up with some kind of a lame excuse? Uh, to what end? I mean, you know, evidence is evidence. And you go by what you go by, it's there, and there's not much more that you can do about it. But it seems like kind of a, an odd hypothesis, and, and so what proves, or what is there to prove anything about that? It's hardly really an atheist question. It's more one of philosophy, but really it doesn't, it doesn't hold any weight to the argument of whether or not he exists, and if he exists, uh, are we accountable to him? What evidence do we show for that? That's, that's probably a more telling question. Absolutely, because I can almost show you, not almost, I could definitely show you more evidence that he was alive than you could show me evidence that he wasn't. So, so there you have it. <laughs> well, you know, and I see he just posted here in chat, and he says, uh, if a Christian answers it was God testing, then that means that no matter what evidence you give, uh, they would never wake up. Uh, I wouldn't have to say that he was testing my faith because he wouldn't be doing something like that. That's actually soliciting me to, uh, to sin. There's a difference between tempting and testing. And uh, God will sometimes find out whether or not we really believe him, but putting it to the point where he would hide himself from us in order to try to see if we believe that he's there, uh, that's inconsistent, that's not biblical, and that's cruel. So I, I reject the premise of the question. Well, absolutely it is cruel because it's kind of a contradiction. If somebody does something to test my faith, well, then where, where's my faith in the first place? Why do I need to be tested by the same person that told me I need to have faith? You know what I'm saying? 
yeah, it's a contradiction, uh, it, and it it just it means nothing. I mean, it doesn't lend anything to the the, the debate between theists and atheists. I mean, we're debating absurdities and uh, and hypotheticals that will never ever happen. So if it's a question of well, there's nothing that you can present to me that would make me change my mind. Well, present something to me that actually challenges my mind and my belief. Uh, let's deal in things that are real and tangible rather than hypotheticals that lead nowhere. One thing I always have an issue with, and, and I don't mind people coming in and, and, and debating and asking questions and things like that, but this is something that we talked about with Nathan Jones earlier, and it was just a fantastic segment we had with him. Um, you know, just they, they do the same thing at Lamb Lion. They get posts on Facebook. They get posts on their blog, and, and they get questions sent to them by email. And they do get a lot of atheists and things like that. But when you're coming after me and we bring the Bible as our answer and say, look, it says this, this, and this, and they bring something else, well, there's no basis to what they're bringing. Sometimes that gets just a tad frustrating because there's no way that they can post examples or documentation to support their belief. Yet here we are saying we have something that is truly the Word of God because it survived the test of time and became the most popular book in history. Nothing will ever touch the Bible as far as popularity. Now, it's not a popularity contest. It's a faith contest, but that's just the moving Word of God because the Bible says that the Word of God will be preached to all the nations. And so that has happened, and that is happening right now. So once again... Here we go with evidence with no one to say otherwise. Yeah, and, and uh, I, this is like when we had to deal with that whole myth of Horus, and uh, he's asking the same kind of questions. This is all pretty well-traveled stuff, but let's just recap for those that might be listening. Um, the question is, well, other, other traditions before uh, Jesus' death and resurrection were you know, that all took place, and, and uh, they believed those traditions beforehand. Hey, the devil knew that, too. If we're going to look at this from a, Christ, a Christian worldview, we know that the devil is looking to deceive. The devil knew way back in the garden that there would be a, a virgin birth, and they knew that there would be a resurrection by reading through Psalms and all that stuff that predate, predates the, uh, the, the Mithra of Persia, as he says, it's 600 years before Christ. Great. David spoke about a resurrection. So did Job. Go back and read Job 19.25, where he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that I will see him with my own eyes. Uh, I will behold him. I will stand with him on the last day. My flesh will be destroyed, yet with my eyes will I see God. Go back and read it. None of this stuff is really troubling. Um, so it's the same old stuff. It's not nothing that, that's anything new. The fact that it was December the 25th was something that was moved uh, to that. It's just kind of more of, a, of an, ex, um, a, an observant that uh, a lot of pagans used. And yeah, that was all changed back then, but nobody ever said that Jesus was born on the 25th. I don't know where he's getting his information. Um, that, that means nothing. Mildly entertaining and sometimes um, just kind of popular in some small circles as far as something that was just based off internet myths and things like that. I mean, that, that's, um, that's something that would have died a long time ago uh, because of the false um, a accusations that it carried and, and the blatant ripoff of biblical principles that it carries, too. Um, it, it even dies in their own circles, even on the internet, but it's just, it's just funny that the crazy things that, that you see from these things that just have no basis of truth or evidence at all. 
Well, you know, frankly, I would just love to see them get some new material because this is the same stuff that's asked and answered over and over and over again. If this was genuinely a pursuit for the truth, this wouldn't be the same tired arguments that we get. So, you know, the idea of 600 years before Jesus, there was this Mithra of Persia. Yeah, and so what? There's plenty of things that the Bible spoke of before that that spoke of the resurrection, that spoke of the virgin birth, spoke of all of those kind of things, and the devil's been there all along. So, you know, I, I, none of this stuff is, is really in, in any way new, nor is it compelling. It's the same tired stuff. It is, and and so we're just going to go ahead and move on because it's just a dead argument. There, there's nothing that backs it up. Um, we were talking before the show today about the IDF soldiers did not cross the border when we talked about the conflict, and uh, we were talking about with Nathan when we were just talking about the power of the Internet, um, how you know the cameras actually went in and, and saw the Lebanese going across the border, and then uh, the Israelis, of course, have another satellite image like the flotilla, incident, another satellite image where you can see where the incident was, and it's, it's a good ways into the Israeli border, but here we go again with facts coming in that's going to just uh, find another reason to slam Israel, and, and the facts will be ignored. Yeah, exactly, which is, is precisely what we would expect. You and I were talking before the show when I told you I was going to be coming in a bit late, and the thing is that facts don't even matter anymore. Uh, the media can have all of the video evidence of the flotilla uh, incident and all the rest, and Israel was still the bad guy. Uh, in this case here, if anybody in Lebanon dies because of their incursion, of course, Israel is by default always going to be the bad guy. So none of this stuff should be a surprise. And for our atheist friend in here, hey, check this out, dude. Take a look at the fact that Israel exists after being displaced from its, its home for 1,900-plus years. And now here it is again. And go back and read what Ezekiel wrote before the Mithra, and you'll find out that he looked at the whole world the way that it is right now, including all of the Islamic world and how it's going to come against Israel, and then check out what's going on in the Middle East. That's more compelling evidence than the Mithra of Persia and some you know, alleged virgin birth. I'm more compelled by that information. <laughs> that's, a, that's something that I've heard you ask before that never gets an answer, and I don't, I don't, I don't expect anytime soon you're going to get an answer to that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't expect that that he would take the time to read the the Word of God and find out whether or not he can blow holes in it. What he wants to ask is about time machines, and he wants to talk about something <laughs> that predicted a virgin birth 600 years before Jesus. But we've got plenty of things prior to 600 B.C. that speak of a virgin birth, speak of a resurrection, speak of a, a redeemer, speak of all of that kind of stuff. So I'm not impressed. It's the same old tired stuff. That's right, because like it said, in the Old Testament, our redeemer lives. And that was way before. <laughs> sure. That's dope. Is some people would say that he was probably more of the patriarchal age, which would have been back to, uh, to Abraham. In either case, he is definitely Old Testament. And so for our atheist friend here, um, I'd like him to go ahead and look at the book of Job, find the, the oldest of, of the manuscripts that he can find. They predate Christ. And he speaks of things in the New Testament terms. He talks about his own bodily resurrection. He talks about 
uh, a pre-existent redeemer who always has been and will stand once again on the earth. And he, Job himself, even though his flesh was destroyed, he turns to dust. He knew that he would be reconstituted and made new again. And that predates your 600, your, your 600 date by a long shot. So, again, there's got to be some new material because this stuff is just old. <laughs> well, there isn't new material because you'd have to recreate something that you've already recreated. Um, you know, it's just it's just ways for people to find a way to poke holes into Christianity, but it's just based on zero fact, zero evidence. And like you said, the Old Testament actually predates even what they're saying. So and it's right there for us in the living word, but for them it's just, uh, let me go to a different website. Maybe you can find something else. Exactly. Well, here you go. I, I just saw what he's put in here. I'm hoping that you intend to take a look there, Tom, at the book of Ezekiel. Draw your attention directly to Ezekiel 38 and 39, and here's what I'm going to ask you to take a look at. It's going to mention a whole bunch of places that you more than likely don't understand or even know who they are. Go back to Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 10. It's called, the, it's called the Table of Nations. It'll tell you where Ham, Shem, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah, where they, they navigated and migrated to after the flood. That'll tell you the geographical locations of all of these nations. So when you come to find out where they come from, and you see the people that are mentioned there, you're going to find that it is modern day, the whole northern tip of Africa, with the exception of Egypt, and you have to do plenty of other study to find out why Egypt is not part of the judgment that comes against them. You'll notice that Saudi Arabia and Iraq are not mentioned in there. You'll notice that most of the rest of the stands, all the way up to Pakistan and most of what was Eastern Europe, is all going to be part of this coalition going up as far as Russia. When Ezekiel would have written that, it was basically a bunch of nomadic people. And then I challenge you to do this, Tom. Go back and look at where all those nations are today. And you'll find different cultures, different languages, different, different ethnicities. And the only thing that they share in common is Islam. Now, here's the other kicker for you, Tom. When it talks about Israel for 1,900 years of this world's history, from 70 AD on, there really was no such thing as Israel until May of 1948. And then you've got to ask yourself, if this is the case and God was that accurate with the people that would come against Israel and they're arrayed against her tonight as we speak, how was it that God can predict that accurately 1,500 years ago, or 2,500 years ago, rather, what we see in the current day when Islam didn't even come around until the 600s? There's some pretty compel uh, compelling evidence, and I'd really love to hear what he's got to say about that, all of that. Well, I think it's only fair because, you know, he, he challenged me with some questions, and I happily accepted. So now I challenge Tom to, to take that question from Chris and go, Go see what you can bring back on that. It might take you a minute, but uh, go ahead, because that really shoots holes in uh, your dating philosophy that we're talking about uh, as far as these, uh, these pre-Jesus Christ events that supposedly happened uh, with the time machine. This, this completely um, just takes that and, and flushes it down with all the other false beliefs that we've seen. Sure. Well, Tom is welcome to go ahead and email the show, and we'll give you all the scripture references if you want. But again, focus in on Ezekiel 38 and 39, and you'll find the nations that are mentioned, and you can find out where they went to. If you want to take the time to study it out, Genesis chapter 10 will tell you where they are. And why does Ezekiel use those old names and not the ones from today? If God had even shown him that to the people of his time, and the people that would have been reading it, maybe even at the time of Jesus, if he would have said things like Afghanistan, if he would have said things like, uh, like Iran and used their modern days, nobody would know. 
the best way for them to understand is to use the oldest established names then for all of eternity or for all of human history we'd be able to look back and know exactly who he's talking about that's right so you're welcome tom he said thank you so you're welcome and and go check that out and then and then get back with us on that and we'll just continue that discussion and, and as for now um because we got to get to to rapture talk with todd and terry very soon i did want to cover some of these stories for you especially uh the ahmadinejad challenges obama to a man-to-man debate Man to man, Chris, don't you mean liberal to insanity? Yeah, actually, can you imagine anything like less interesting than that aside from maybe watching concrete dry? <laughs> I, I, I mean, thinking... what, what would they be discussing? Um, probably the health care thing, but uh, he's challenged Obama to a public and man to man debate where, where, when the Islamic Republic leader visits the United Nations next month for the next session of the General Assembly. Obama is unlikely to accept the offer. I'll tell you. Well, here, let's figure out why. Because A, Ahmadinejad is a complete lunatic and would make absolutely no sense, and Obama couldn't debate without a teleprompter. Yeah, just send the teleprompter. Yeah, I, I, can you imagine that, though? I mean, talk about unwatchable television. It would be like watching American Idol. Uh, there's just no way I could do it either. Neither one of them have anything of any importance to speak about, and it would be a couple of people just used to bluster and, uh, and having nothing really important to contribute. That's right. And speaking of nothing to contribute, North Korea vows retaliation over Yellow Sea Drill here we go again, another threat from North Korea. Um, strong physical retaliation against planned South Korean naval exercises near the disputed maritime border. In a statement, the North's military said that the Yellow Sea exercises, which are due to start on Thursday, were an act of reckless provocation and warned all civilian shipping to avoid the area. To this, this reminds me of uh, Hamas and how they, uh, how they treat the Israeli border. Uh, North Korea does the same thing. It's just about domination is what they want, but they're just too scared to go through with it because they know they'll get crushed. Yeah, and, you know, here's the sad thing about it. They're just nutty enough to do something like that, and if they do, the frightening thing is that they're not just going to lob a couple of bombs, but if they could get them to go off properly, the stuff is nuclear. And, uh, and Kim Jong-il is just crazed enough to do something like that. It's, it's your typical insane individual who feels threatened, it was the reason why so many people were very concerned about Saddam Hussein. If you're nuts enough to release that stuff within your own borders, then it's, uh, it stands to reason you might do it elsewhere. But a guy like Kim Jong-il, uh, you know, when he says that he's going to do it one of these days, he might just do it. And who knows where it goes from there. Yeah, that's right. So we'll keep an eye on that situation, too. But we know, you and I both know, North Korea is not going to allow any kind of action against South Korea because, well, I, I hope we still do, but we protect North Korea, uh, South Korea here in the United States, and, and that would be bad news for North Korea. As a lot of people know that uh, Jacob K. is not with us tonight from the beaverreport.blogspot.com, but he is he's, uh, attending an Israeli conference in New York City, and he had this on his website about the flotilla. This, uh, this probe continues. State officials stress Monday that though Israel has agreed to cooperate with a U.N. probe on the IDF raid on the Gaza-bound flotilla in May, the government 
and Netanyahu specifically said he would not allow the committee to interrogate Israeli officers, civilians, or soldiers. And I think I know why. It's because there is visual video evidence that says and that shows exactly what was going on on that ship. You know, the fact that we're even at the point where it, where it needs to have any kind of an inquiry into it shows the, the unwillingness of the media to report the facts as they happened. You have video evidence that would have st it would stand up in any court of law, and yet we've got to go ahead and make Israel the bad guy somehow. The truth will not get out in mass media here. There's just no way that it's ever going to happen. And that, you know, for our atheist friend, boy, if you ever wanted to try to look for a spiritual dynamic be behind something, look at how Israel is treated in the, in the world press and by the world as a whole. There is no explanation for the, the incomprehensible hatred and bias towards Israel. There's only, the only way you can make a case for it is, obviously, there's a spiritual part, uh, portion to it. Well, that's why that song, We Calm the World, had so much good meaning to it. It, it was just the absolute truth. You know, we need to make a show for the world and CNN. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's exactly right. We've got to make a show and, against Israel. <laughs> isn't that funny? And, and, you know, here Israel would probably think, this is great. Finally, we've got the evidence that we need. Or like what happened with Lebanon today. The evidence is there, but evidence, you don't want it to get in the way of a good story. And, uh, you know, we were talking about, one of the other things that you and I were talking about is that Obama hit 41% approval rating in a Gallup poll. And uh, it was, I, I got a credit rush for it. He did a great job of just one show the night that, uh, that I think Bush hit 36% uh, favorability, favorability rating. And in the three o'clock, uh, a three hour show that Wolf Blitzer had, it was their lead story that uh, Bush had hit an all time low. There wasn't even a mention of it today uh, on the Situation Room or yesterday when it, when it hit that low. So, I mean, you know, they've got their own guys that are, that are their favorites, and they're going to go after all the other ones. But don't let facts get in the way of your narrative. I heard the same show you did, and Rush pointed out that this was not a remake, or a, he wasn't copying things. These were all unique phrases that Wolf Blitzer made about all-time low, all-time low, all-time low. And yet Obama hits an all-time low, and they, do a, and they release a poll about people who drink in America as their lead story. Anything to divert from their hero? Sure. It, that's the, the, the idol worship of this man is just amazing. Now, unfortunately, it leads some in our camp to say uh, they start to make conclusions that maybe he's the Antichrist. And, you know, we may as well address it again in case somebody thinks that we're implying that. Uh, there's no way that Obama is the Antichrist. He's, he's the warm-up act. He's the cheesy, you know, uh, band that comes on before the headliner. But he's making people ready for, uh, for what will eventually happen because here's the truth. When the real guy shows up, he will not be this clumsy, and he won't make mistakes. No, not at all. And he won't have an approval rating of 41% either. I mean, he'll be up in the 80 85% or maybe even higher just out of pure fear because there won't be any Christians here to, to dispute yeah, exactly. That'll be one of the things for absolutely sure you can bank on that. But, uh, boy, the days in, in which we live, it is, uh, it is an interesting time, no question about it. 
Well, that's right. So we're going to get into Rapture Talk right here on Rapture Ready Radio. Chris, it's great to have you back. After Rapture Talk, we're going to, we're going to take some prayer requests and read those on the show. And so uh, stay with us. We love having you guys all with us on Rapture Ready Radio, and we do appreciate the atheists and everybody else coming in, Chris, because, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to witness to those people. But, you know, like it said in Ezekiel, they're scorpions and they're, they're thorns and they're very rebellious people that we have to talk to. So don't be discouraged if they don't listen. Absolutely. We are to, uh, to press on. Amen.
is Rapture Talk with Todd and Terry on Rapture Ready Radio. This is Rapture Talk with Todd and Terry. Hello, dude. <laughs> That's a dad, D-A-D. <laughs> is it D-U-D? <laughs> or dud, D-U-D, maybe. <laughs> we were talking earlier about the word dude. I absolutely hate that. Uh, I think when you're, you're you're called at like at a restaurant or something, I, I take it as a uh, a sign of uh, well, just not good manners. Uh, well, my my 32 year old son Nathan, as I told you earlier, popped into the office and said, "Hey, dude, I've got a role." He always tells me when he's about to vacate the premises, and uh, I said, "Hey, that's D A D, not D U D E." And he said, or dud, D-U-D. <laughs> yeah, I was at a Chili's about, oh, three weeks ago, and some guy said, okay, dude, your food's going out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like uh, being called, hey, Mac. It's just, uh, it's either lazy or it's just uh, inconsiderate. Yeah, I guess up in, in New York, it would be something like, uh, hey, Mac, or something. Well, tonight we're going to talk about uh, global warming. It uh, has reemerged on the the news radar and uh I've always uh, been fascinated with the subject because I truly believe that the physics of global warming is basically true as we add more CO2 in the atmosphere it should warm but it's become enveloped into a, a, a huge controversy where it's extremely politicized and uh, the science is basically un- unreliable because there's too many fat thumbs on the scale of, of measuring. But I think it's very important because if we are headed towards global warming uh, man-made-wise, it could have a profound influence on our society because we have, even just in the United States, we have like 40 million people that are, live near the ocean. If the ocean would, would rise, it would it'd be an absolute catastrophe. And uh, so when we started getting these sports pretty much starting in the, in the 90s and the 2000s, uh, you know, there's, there's pretty much a cottage industry that that, uh, that popped up. And Mr. Al Gore was the environmental pope. And at the end of 2007, it was so dire that it was almost, if we just had a few more events, Mr. Gore would be a just proclaimed president of the United States so he could join us into a giant cabal to try to save our planet because obviously we, we use carbon-based fossil fuels extensively and we don't have nuclear as a, as a ready alternative so it, it's going to require some rather drastic measures. Then uh, Everything just kind of cooled down, literally. We had the hardest winter in many areas, coolest summer, uh, just record cold all the time around the globe, and that kind of put the, the cool on. Uh, really, it was it was quite uh, uh, drastic. I mean, uh, we had yeah, at the same time you had all of this uh, this phony information. Uh, this phony data that was 
The big, the big thing was the one in, in England. In England, yeah. And uh, those emails that said, uh, well, they were, that, that showed the bias that they, they were actually uh, cherry picking the data. Yeah, and, and then they they had to they, they, the the email in effect said that we have to uh, uh, greatly enhance this information to to get our point across, uh, no matter whether it's truth or not. That's basically what the gist of it was. And you you just can't uh, you know call that scientific data in any extent. Uh, I don't know of any any beaches that have been swamped by growth in water levels. They say I, I read that article you sent me, and it said that the, the ice is melting. Abs- absolute nonsense. They, 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 there's no way of measuring that. Uh, in, in that since June or something. Uh, uh, the ice is being shown the ice yeah. You know, the interesting about the sea ice is because this past winter, it it reached a 12-year high. Now, that just shows how drastic things change. We went from uh, the year before where it was that, you know, it was, it was going down, going down, going Then all of a sudden it, it jumped up to a 12-year high for, for, mm-hmm. for the winter. See, those are unreliable statistics. I just... Uh I'm not saying that uh, that man that, that um, there's not uh, some problems with uh, things warming a bit. I, I don't I don't know that. But I do know this. God said as long as there's an Earth, there's going to be seasons, and uh, so we're we're not going into a nuclear to a winter solid winter or into a solid summer situation as long as uh, God's got His thumb on things. Well, this the how I kind of see it is that. The problem is that obviously there's too much fat thumbing the, the scale of these observations. Actually, one, one meteorologist on the, the Weather Channel, he is uh, kind of a anti-global warming. He yeah, talks Joe, about Joe, uh, Joe uh, Blavio or something like that. I can't think of his name exactly. The, 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 the chief. He was the chief of the uh, Weather Channel, wasn't he? Before he went somewhere else. Uh, he was, he's one of the co-founders of the Weather Channel. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was co-founder. Yeah, and uh, he was saying that 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 could yeah. be the heat ion effect as we build up our cities. Mm-hmm. In and uh, say you got a, uh, it's generally at the airport, and uh, it's it's often at the outskirts of a town. So when the, when the community builds up, uh, then you get higher temperatures because of the uh, the asphalt and the buildings and all that. So that that could be one that's, and we're talking about uh, half a degree or quarter degree, uh, really small amounts temperature, but you know that's on the average, uh, and that heat I don't think could could account for that. I guess the, the big thing is that is that we're getting to the point where we're we don't trust the data enough to to uh, make any pre-planning, and that when we finally reach a point where we conclusively say Yes, the Earth is getting warmer. We're responsible. There's nothing we can do. Okay, now here, and, and here's a, here's the gist of the thing. What are they doing with all this? Number one, uh, this is in um, uh, Romans chapter one. They are they're trying to make a religion out of this thing, and we've watched that come and go. Uh, all the attempts. They've cooled it a little bit now because um, you know the cold winter and. The phony statistics battle they had to fight and all this—they cooled a little bit there. But the fact is, they're trying—they're trying to make this into a, a a global religion, a green religion, 
And, and what kind of sense does it make to, uh, if an Al Gore, for example, can buy, um, buy the carbon footprint he needs from some, some other nation, with his with his with his money, or, or, or how can America, you know, uh, pay greater taxes to the world community um, or whoever uh, in order to um, sustain the comfortable lifestyle with the carbon footprint we put out and so forth? Uh, what what kind of common sense? What kind of sense does that make <laughs> in fighting any kind of a, a so-called glo- uh, global warming? Um, the fact is, is still the footprint is still there. So, so uh, what it looks like to me is that it's a it's a big money grab. Uh, it's a religion uh, at the center of which is a huge money grab. I agree with hundred uh, percent. I'd even go on to say it's it's just pure nonsense as far as uh, you know. We got I remember some town in Colorado was going to ban plastic bags. You got to bring your own burlap bag. Mm-hmm. To the grocery store to get your groceries, but we basically just wrote off the carbon inputs that are coming from India and China. China's adding two power plants, coal burning power plants, every month. Yeah, who's going to tell China not to do that? Well, they're not. <laughs> we're we were going to do this all this other nonsense. You think they're going to pay for their their increased carbon footprint? <laughs> Well, you got dance around until the, the day comes. They well, forget it, buddy. You know, mm-hmm. They're you know they're growing at uh, you know ten percent a year uh, on their GDP. And that's all you know that that economy needs to be powered by fossil fuels. So Absolutely. their their usage is going up. And here we're <laughs> we're trying to do silly things like ban water bottles yeah. uh, and plastic bags. And I want to see Mr. Obama's cap and trade. I want to see him bring China under that uh, that little deal. It, it is it is basically a religion. It's, it's a uh, like godless Hollywood types are always into AIDS charities and save save the whales and you know, worship humanity. the creator more than the, the creation more than the creator. That's what they're after. Well, this this is earth worship. Yeah. They're Trying to uh, cleanse their souls by by, by redeeming man. Well, the Hollywood types, yeah, the ones that uh, you know, the the the, the lefty do-gooders, yeah. But there's a there's a bigger agenda, and that is there's big money involved in this thing, huge money. And uh, and and the whole thing is a redistribution of wealth that uh, that Obama and and his type want across the world. You know, and America has the most wealth, and uh, they they want America's wealth redistributed, and uh, that's what this cap and trade is all about, and thus that's what this global warming thing is all about from their standpoint. I'm well, not I saying, don't think they're going to get the wealth distributing it. Well, they're they're, they're out for it, though, Tom. They, <laughs> they're good people. They not, may not get it, but they're out for it. And I'm not saying that uh, that there aren't some people who are genuinely concerned about the environment and. Uh, and I think they're fuzzy-headed about it, but uh, but there's, certain, there's a certain element that, that... Now, I know a lot a lot of Christians are opposed to global warming because they they think God wouldn't be that foolish to 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 allow that that kind of input in the system. But that's that you know that's just the pure science of it. Uh, 
CO2 is a, uh, a strong insulator. We'd all freeze to death uh, if it wasn't for CO2 in the atmosphere because uh, even on a summer day, the, the nighttime low could drop down to 20s, where, where it generally stays. I think here in Benton, the record low is like 55. And uh, without that CO2, it, it, it would be... It'd be life, you know, life would be very com- complex. I mean, the people would be living, or maybe around the equator. Water vapor pr- provides the insulation quality, the insulation needed to keep the temperature above freezing. So CO2 is, is a is a is a is a greenhouse gas. But the, the question is, how much of of it is actually contributing to an increase? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors. What weather is extremely complex. We actually might be going into a global cooling because there's said to be less sunspots, and that, that that's a cycle that can last um, many many years. You know, old Earther, thousands of years, of young Earther, <laughs> decades. Well, 20 years ago, they were saying that uh, that if something was done about global warming, warming, that the coastlines would be totally inundated with. Well, I, mean, I remember that some of the so-called movie stars were saying that, like Ted Danson and some others. Uh, we're saying that, <laughs> and, and our and our coastlines uh, don't seem to have be uh, uh, to be uh, one foot farther inland than they were. You know, except in anomalous cases and where well, there's been uh, erosion or something. But uh, it's just uh, uh, you know, I, I guess there's some reason to we we should uh, try to control, make things more efficient, like like. Uh, the way we burn fossil fuels, I don't have anything wrong with that or against that. I just don't think we ought to have to redistribute the wealth to the entire world in order to accomplish that. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know what uh, you know. What what do we do if it gets to, you know to 120 degrees or something? I, I don't I don't know where the, because the weather is so variable uh, that uh, I don't think there's anything we can do. We don't have the. Uh, it would have to be really something. Drastic, like New York flooding, or I, I don't see that anywhere indicated in Bible prophecy, and that's I go, you know, God's word is what I count. Now I do see that it's going to get extremely hot at some point during the tribulation, uh, very warm, and uh, but I don't think that's going to be global warming from a standpoint of uh, well, that could be nuclear. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, there's the, a lot of ways God can accomplish that. People being burned with with fierce heat uh, could be. Uh, the destruction of the, uh, the ozone, ozone layer. layer, yeah, yeah, and and the and the, uh, the rays and so forth could burn the skin. I think that's what's going to happen, but that's a super. That's going to be a supernatural judgment. I don't think that's going to be nice. man-made. Maybe in the sense that man has brought God's wrath upon him, uh, but I don't think it's going to be fossil fuel burning that did it. That's just my opinion. No. Well, what, what does that see? Because uh, if we get more of these these type of heat waves. You know the global warming crowd will, will redeem themselves and yeah. will be back to Al Gore will be back in favor. Well, I, I think the ultimate if, if you if you lay, lay off of the uh, the uh, masseuses, you know, and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Terry. All right, Tyster. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye. Welcome back to Rapture Ready Radio. This is the live Tuesday show. Matt Buff and Chris Quintana with you. Chris, I know it was a short show for you, but I'm glad you made it tonight. 
might still be dinner time in Southern California. <laughs> I'll wait for Chris to come back on. I'll jump into these prayer requests here on Rapture Ready Radio. Um, Kathleen sends in a prayer request. Please continue to pray for my husband, Scott. Please pray that his heart will soften and his ears will be open to our Lord. Please pray that he will see the error in his ways soon. Satan has such a hold on him. Also, Dan writes, please pray for... Uh, Please pray for my infection has come back, and I just need to have wisdom on what to do that would heal it for good. Kathy asks that we pray for Brandon. He's a very close family friend, and his grandmother, who mostly raised him, shot himself yesterday. This comes as a big shock. This man must have had some real problems. He was considered to be a very Christian man. Brandon is just a good person. He works very hard in church and has had many trials. Also, we pray for Jeff's mom, who uh, has had some serious difficulty breathing, and we just ask for the healing hand for her as well. And also, uh, Lori has a prayer request, too, that says, get to it, I have a cast on each leg and very limited at what I can do, and the issues are not showing up on x-rays. I just know they hurt when the cast will replace the right ankle and foot were very discolored and swollen, and uh, she could feel it. So, Lord, we just lift up these prayer requests to you and ask for your healing hand and and just your grace and love across these, these Christians all over the country and all over the world that are, are living strong for you, and just ask that your blessing and will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, Chris, are you back? I am. I, I was listening to the requests, but I thought we had I thought we had longer on Rapture Talk. My apologies. <laughs> well, no problem at all. I wanted to, to – I, I just cut the last song there because I wanted to get a chance to talk to you a little bit more and uh, make sure we get those prayer requests in tonight because I know that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people hurting out there and, and, and our world is just a, it's a very sad place at times and everything, but it's just important for us all to know that you know, God is in control and everything happens His time. Everything happens according to His will and we just have to wait patiently, teaching, learning, and praying, and helping, and doing everything we can. You know... It's a uh, it's important thing that you said that because uh, I've noticed on Rapture Ready, on the uh, the forums, the message board, uh, the amount of prayer that people are requesting and the, and the heartache and the trouble and the and the hurt, it's I don't remember seeing it like this before. Uh, it's not just the economy stuff, but it's all the things like you were talking about the illness and the the family trouble and all the rest of it. It's just there's such dark days. You know, during Rapture talk there. Terry made an excellent point about the heat during the tribulation, about how, you know, people will be burned. And, and, and Todd made a, a quick little point about, you know, that could be because we did blow the ozone open with all the nuclear activity that, that might be happening at that point. And what I like about this is, you know, we're seeing, like we are talking about in the chat room earlier, you know, some people are experiencing like, experiencing like 107 heat uh, indexes that, you know, this is the dog days of summer and everything like that. But, you know, heat is uh, going to happen during the tribulation period, and, and yes, there will be burning, but not due to global warming and not due to because uh, Chris didn't recycle a can. It's because God is still in control, and these are the bowls of judgment that are being laid out upon the earth, not Al Gore's global warming. Yeah, isn't that funny, the, uh, the importance that we put on such things as though we have that kind of control. Um, the earth's not as fragile as I'd like to make you think, but uh, it sure makes it a lot easier to control the masses when everything is a crisis. Well, the Green Police is a phony religion, but the, the, the faith that we have in Jesus Christ is the real thing, 
And we do encourage you, if you heard what we were talking about with the atheists and, and people that come in our chat room from time to time, just pray for these individuals. And if you know somebody in that situation, and if you have a question for Chris or myself or Jeff or anybody on the show that, that you know you want to ask, we'd be happy to do anything we can to help out in our limited knowledge that we have. But, you know, we would be happy to help out. Just send an email to rapturereadyradio at live.com, and that'll go right to us, and we can, we can definitely help out there because we've talked a lot about, you know, reaching the lost tonight, Chris, how important that is because hell is a very real thing just as heaven is. And we don't want anybody to end up there. We want people to accept the, the, the gift that Jesus Christ gave them. Exactly, and you know the name of the show, Rapture Ready. We believe, you know. Oh boy, I wish we had even more time. But the uh, the idea of the rapture, uh, the the imminency and when it could actually take place. There was such a cool thing that I saw, and, and if I haven't ever had a chance to tell you this before, I thought it was really interesting. And in Jewish tradition, the way that the uh, the wedding would be uh, is at at the beginning of it you would find that the, the groom would go to the bride's father and ask for her hand in marriage. And I would ask you to look at the last three verses of, of John chapter 17 and see where Jesus asks for us by name. And after that, they would go ahead and, and, and figure out what the dowry would be and what was the groom going to offer for the, for the bride. And then we find that Peter in, in, uh, in 1 Peter 1 talks about that we have not been uh, redeemed with corruptible things like gold and silver, but, but rather with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so what would end up happening at that point is that he would go back to his father's house and make preparation for the receiving of his bride, which is John 14, that he goes to prepare a place for us because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And then what comes back is that the wedding party goes to retrieve the bride when the father says to go which is Matthew 30, uh, 24, 36, where he says, no one knows the day nor the hour except for my Father. And then he sends Jesus back in this case, or this, in this would be the, the groom, goes to retrieve the bride with the rest of the bridal party and shouts and trumpets herald the fact that they're there at an unannounced time to the bride. And then the, the groom receives her up for a wedding feast that would take place. And at the end of that wedding feast, that he would present the bride to the people in the village or the town or wherever it was. And it's all scriptural, speaking of what takes place when the rapture happens, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb of Revelation 19, and then the, the uh, coming back with him at the end of the tribulation to begin the millennial reign. It is so symbolic of the Jewish wedding, but God knew that in advance. It's just phenomenal. It is just amazing, and it's just phenomenal, too. And, it, and it's just going to be such a glorious moment. Um, you're just out checking your mail, and all of a sudden these trumpets and angels appear, and, and you're taken up, and, and now all, you know, we don't store our treasures up on earth. We store our treasures in heaven, and you know, we don't even deserve that. And it's just such a humbling experience that we get to meet our Lord in the air, and it's just going to be such a great moment. I just, you know, I, it's, it's anticipation and it's just his love that drives us, Chris. Exactly. I, I find the, the lengths that God went to to manifest himself to us and to be telling the story over and over and over again so that it's completely unmistakable. And, uh, and here we are right on the cusp of it. And we're, we're about to step into, into eternity here. It's, uh, tomorrow night we start the, the book of Revelation at church. I can't wait to dive into that. It's going to be exciting. And then um, some other things going on around the church. But 
that's going to be a lot of fun to do. Oh, that'll be that'll be fantastic. You'll have to keep us up to date on the show. Uh, keep us updated on what's going on and the reaction you get there because that's just a phenomenal study. I know Jeff from Amplified uh, did a study like that at his church too, but uh, it's just something that <clears throat> people are thirsting for this. That's why Nathan Jones was talking about the web traffic that's coming in to lamblion.com uh, and, and the, the, you know what we see as far as uh, the people that download our shows all over the world. You know, People are hungry for the truth, and, and people are very hungry for for knowledge about what's going to happen. I mean, they just, they have so many questions. And, you know, you go to a typical church that doesn't talk about the rapture, heaven or heaven or hell or, or anything like that to a, to a degree of explanation. It's just something that they're thirsty for. So I, I'm just sure the response you're going to get is just phenomenal. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are excited about it. And uh, it'll be fun because we're going to be doing Isaiah as we uh, go through the, the Sunday evening. We do Old Testament, and uh, especially the second part of that. Something for people, they haven't had a chance to look at it. It's so wonderful, even the way that Isaiah is put together. The first 39 books deal with judgment. And then the, the, from chapter 40, or verse, yeah, chapter 40 all the way through the end of 66, it's all about comfort and grace and the millennial kingdom and all that stuff. And it works perfectly because the first 39 books of the Old Testament are about the Old Covenant, and the last 27, giving you a total of 66, speak of God's grace. And, uh, boy, it's just such, a, such an interesting parallel. It is. It's amazing. It, it, I know we're running quickly out of time. Is this uh, something that you guys podcast on the website? Yeah, we put, uh, we put all the studies up. Um, they're in the current studies section of the, uh, of the, the website. So we're going to start Galatians on Sunday morning. We're, we study through all the books. Uh, we kind of go chapter by chapter, verse by verse until we finish them. So, yeah, they're all there on the current studies. It's going to be a wild ride. We're starting all of them this week. So it's going to be pretty fun. <laughs> Give the give the website again real quick. Uh, it's CalvaryChapelCypress.net. Oh, Calvary Chapel. Okay, yeah, absolutely. CalvaryChapelCypress.net. I encourage everybody to keep up with that. As you keep up with these shows, that just gives you more in-depth uh, uh, wisdom and, and information and from Chris. So that's very exciting, Chris. Well, God bless you, and, and I hope you have a great rest of the week. And everybody, check us out, RaptureReadyRadio.com, RaptureReady.com, and we'll see you soon, if not in the air. God bless everybody. For, Matt, for Chris Quintana, this is Matt Buff. We'll see you next time. Next time. The sun has come
Oh my. 